Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky of Break of Day Capital. I talk to leading experts to discuss a wide range of subjects to educate investors on best-in-class practices to build legacy wealth and positively impact communities. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have John Burlett. John is a general partner of Tandem Trust Real Estate LLP and the Coastal Bend Oz Fund Manager. Thanks for joining us, John. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Oh, sure. Thanks for having me, Gary. Again, my name is John Burlett. I'm a fund manager. I had a financial planning practice in Austin for 40 plus years and had an exit. Long story short, I had a uh, law firm acquired my book of business, resulting in an eligible capital gain event. So I relocated. It's kind of an interesting story. I took off in a motorhome, traveled 17 states, looking at these designated opportunity zones all over, hundreds and hundreds of them. Awesome, awesome. So you obviously picked picked the place for your for your Oz fund. Where did you find the most uh, advantageous place? So- you know, we explored uh, 17 states. We went. Immediately, when you sell your business, what do you do? At age 62, we went to Las Vegas, bought a motorhome off the showroom floor and traveled right when COVID was breaking out. So it was really awesome. We could sleep in our own bed every night, not check in to worry about, you know, what shape the hotel's in. And so we traveled. We left Vegas, went all through uh, Nevada, Colorado, California, through the Midwest, up the Northeast, down through... uh, down to the Gulf Coast, Biloxi area, actually put contracts on properties in Colorado, northwestern Colorado, and Biloxi, and then made our way through Texas a couple of times because I went to high school in San Antonio and spent all my adult life in in Austin. So we were headed down to the Boca Chica area on the border where Elon Musk has his SpaceX operation, and this would have been about July or June or July of 21, and realized all the speculators had gotten there before us and driven the prices up sky high. And so we made it through this community called Rockport, which I'm anxious to share with your listeners why I chose this this town and and why uh, it's a great place for my capital. Nice. We'll circle back to that because you sold your business. You have all these capital gains. And so Oz Fund you know, creating an Oz uh, Opportunity Zone fund really helps mitigate your taxes. So why don't you talk about that and how it's typically probably more for like new construction because you have to double your basis. But uh, why don't you explain for our listeners that don't understand what an Opportunity Zone fund, you know, you're a perfect example of why you want to start one. Sure. 
So I had been hearing bits and pieces. It's a relatively new tax incentive, came out of 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act. And I decided to do a deep dive when it affected me. And I'd done a couple 1031s exchanges over the years and understand that. In fact, I consider myself a safe money guy as a retirement income planner, Roth conversion guy with a passion for real estate. So it was a good fit for me to look at real estate. The incentive for those of you who may not be aware is if you deploy eligible capital gains from the sale of any asset, crypto, stocks, real estate, inheritance, sell your business, anything subject to either short-term or long-term gain, if you deploy that some or all, it's not like all or nothing, you can deploy in one of these low-income census tracts that have been certified by the IRS, chosen by each state's governor, then you can defer that gain now for what is about four years. You end up paying the capital gain bill in 2027, but in theory, you're using the money for those few years instead of Uncle Sam and hopefully growing it. So that's one of the incentives. Another one of the incentives went away that was scheduled to go away in, in December of 21, which was a step up in basis. People may still hear a little bit about that, but it's no longer available. The second incentive and the biggest incentive, in my opinion, is if you hold that asset for 10 years and then on exit, all the appreciation, all the gains are coming out totally income tax free on exit. The third and underutilized benefit is that there's no recapture depreciation all along the ride. So probably most of your investors are familiar with depreciation and, and accelerated depreciation and that sort of thing. whereas it still applies to real estate in opportunity zones, but you don't recapture that when you sell. So that's another incentive. And for our listeners out there, so really what, what John said really important is it, it could be the sale of any, you know, the Bitcoin, a business just doesn't have to be real estate. So that's the beauty of the Osborne and holding it for 10 years, you know, tremendous tax benefits. The way I understood it a few years ago was you had you had to double your basis though, and so the, it really worked better for a property that needed a ton of work or like new construction. Is that still the case? Yeah, that's very applicable still. Yes, a friend of mine, Ashley Tyson, who's kind of a national expert in opportunity zone space, he says it like this. He said, "Imagine if 1031 and Roth got married and had a kid. They named him Oz. So it's like a Roth on steroids." But the the uh, regulation requirement to double your bases, in my case, we bought an old hotel that, that got hit by Hurricane Harvey and needed to be demolished anyway. So you're, we're going ground up. So that doesn't apply in, in our case. But if you bought an existing building or existing property, apartment community, say for uh, uh, $2 million, the, you have to ascertain the value of the improvement, back out the dirt, and then double that in what you call in improvements. improvements. Yeah. yeah. And then you're home free. So it, it's not for something you're going to only add uh, value, add 10, 20% to the project. Yeah. And I, I like you used air quotes when you said low income areas, because there's certainly areas that are not low income that have, that are designated opportunity zone. Yeah. Let me touch on that just a little bit. The area I ended up stumbling across called Rockport, Texas is a very 
popular family destination vacation for it's the number one fishing community in Texas. But the reason it was uh, certified, it had to be in the lowest 25% income census tract based on some pretty old data, 2010 census data. So they're using eight-year-old data in 2018 when they certified these locations. But what made Rockport an anomaly, it sits in a county called Aransas County on the Gulf Coast of Texas. And 85% of our county was designated a certified opportunity zone. And the reason is there's so many people have second homeowners here, Gary. They reply their, I mean, they uh, they pay, they file their tax returns in Austin, San Antonio, or Houston, which are all about a three-hour drive, or even Dallas. So it's kind of skewed. It's a bit anomaly. It, it's so many second homeowners that don't report their incomes here. So it ends up the people that do live here are more retirees, service workers, 10,000 population. We have 6,000 RV spaces. Also, an interesting trivia is with the population of 10,750, 7.5% of the community make their living as professional fishing guides. <laughs> That's an interesting stat, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what kind of projects are you, you know, you know, besides the, uh, the ground up, are you doing any other Oz uh, projects? Yeah, we've acquired two properties so far, basically just dirt. We're hundred percent focused right now on this blue city Paraiso, which is a unique boutique hotel that's designed after a city in Morocco called Chefchaouen or the blue city. And it's the highest and best use of the dirt, no doubt. My first thoughts when I bought the property was long-term rental. And after moving here, being a part of the community, after a short period of time, I realized it's not the highest and best use. That short-term rental was the highest and best use of this site because it's just three blocks from the bay in the tourism hotel district. So everything nearby is a single family up on pylons short-term rental Airbnb type stuff. And that was our second idea for the property. However, after that, we decided a boutique hotel is really what the community needs. There's been no new inventory built here since before Hurricane Harvey. And we have three Opportunity Zone qualified QOZB business income streams within the development, one being a rooftop lounge. The other is a conference center and then a a very high-end spa. So we're catering to the middle to upper class travelers who want to visit the coast, maybe work from home. It's a pretty broad market. And that's no doubt the highest and best use. I have no background in, in hospitality. So it's, uh, it's something that I'm looking to add someone to my team with some hospitality space and uh, also other C team members. So how many units are you are you looking to build out and what's the cost of this project? There's 60 doors and the total cost is 16 million. We're looking to raise 8 million in debt and 8 million our secure. We do have commitments for 8 million debt and 8 million in, in equity. The interesting piece is we have just three floor plans and they're all contiguous. So someone can, in essence, the larger units, 20 of those are two bedroom, two baths. And they're almost a thousand square feet. So it's full kitchen, very nice, uh, large units. 20 also are one bedroom, two baths. And then we have 20 studio units. And they're all three contiguous. So 
in essence, a family can or gatherings, groups, reunions can house in the same property as much as 12 to 14 in one booking, one location. So 60 doors total and the go ahead did i answer that question all right oh yeah, yeah i was gonna ask it was pretty unique that you have a one bedroom and, and two bath why did you choose that type because the living area can convert for sleeping and maybe a couple two couples want their own bath and, you know kids and showers and that sort of thing it just i do have a little bit of background in multifamily, and i know two baths better than one <laughs> yep, yep. I have I have a bunch of properties where it's three plus one, and you know certainly I'd love to have a, an extra bathroom in there. Unfortunately, you know it doesn't. It was priced in when we bought it, but yeah, always would love to have that extra bathroom. Understood. Are you in the Phoenix area? Yeah, we've done all of our deals in Phoenix and Tucson. Wow, yeah. it's like you've accomplished quite a bit. How long have you been focused in this space? I've been full-time for uh, about seven years now, and we've got a great team. But my yeah. listeners want to hear about you, so let me uh, let me be asking <laughs> you right. the questions. <laughs> so uh, as a fund manager, you know, what are your, your main responsibilities that you have? Well, uh, by far being a fiduciary, making certain the site gets fully permitted is probably high, high, high on my list and we are just recently got the site plan approved by the city of rockport after four months was submitted january 20th just got it two weeks ago i didn't understand or didn't really estimate in a small town that would be that long of a delay austin you know it's to be expected but here in rockport it's some remnants of the good old boy system and i'm the new guy in town so i'm kind of like having to break through that and i feel like i've finally broken through just FYI, I was recently appointed to the Chambers Tourism Development Council. And this community is all about tourism. They don't want refineries. Between us and Corpus Christi, which is 30 miles away, is a lot of refineries and industries like that. And Rockport doesn't want it. All they want is tourists. It's a bedding, birding destination, fishing destination, beach, the number one beach only blue wave beach in texas certified a real clean beach but back to the what i had to learn and what i my obligation my responsibilities are of course getting the capital stack put together getting it fully permitted i'm confident we're somewhere close to 70 percent along on our construction drawings our structural engineers we have not engaged the windstorm engineer yet which we're on the coastline and that's an interesting uh, subject. Hardly a week goes by, some potential investor doesn't ask me, why would I build in a hurricane-prone area? And two, to manage that risk, part of my job is risk management as the fund manager. So two things, we're building with ICF insulated concrete foam construction. So it can withstand up to 185-mile hurricane winds. And did, there's some properties built here that were untouched in Hurricane Harvey. And then secondly, all there's about nine counties on the coast of Texas that require their insurance from the Texas Windstorm Insurance Association, it's a quasi-state agency called TWIA. And the insurance premiums are significantly more manageable using the ICF construction 
which we're going to use. We have a wall that's about a foot thick, eight inches or so of concrete, steel, three stories. We're going up vertical. I don't think I mentioned about the rooftop lounge. Did I? Yeah, yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And, and so the ICF, does that cost more or? Yeah, I think the cost more is more so in the labor and the skill uh, applicator pool. The material with the cost of uh, lumber, you know, it's it's leveled back down. But I think the time that you save, I watched some videos on the stick frame project versus the vertical panels on the ICF, which most of them are horizontal block. We're leaning toward the vertical panels because you can cut the height at the factory. And we're, our first floor is like 14 feet in the commercial building where we have the conference center, the rooftop lounge, and the spa. The spa is going to be really off the charts. It's all a, no hair, no nails. It's hydrotherapy, saunas, vaches, what's the argon oil treatment. So really high-end massage, that sort of thing. Yeah, I read about ICF recently, and not as, and I, and I might have this wrong, but not as hurricane resistant, but as a tool to like speed up you know, construction and, and whatnot, because because it's almost it's like a little bit prefab, basically, you know? Yeah, uh, the key really, I'm convinced on that, is the labor pool, finding the skilled applicators. And I've, I've been in contact with several. It's become so popular here along this area of the coast because it, it is, you know, hurricane prone. So, John, you know, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned by setting up this fund? You know, because I know a lot of our listeners also are, are interested in setting up funds and, and stuff like that. I think well, in hindsight, one of the things I learned was in, in the capital raise aspect is not to emphasize on the OZ as much. Because as it turns out, more than half of our equity so far is from non-eligible opportunities on money. The OZ, and that was my total emphasis in the beginning is, you know, it's really a wonderful, huge tax incentive for those who have eligible gains. Are you familiar with a firm called Caliber by chance? Yep. The Caliber just went public and they are one of the big boys in the OZ space. And then there's Bellpoint, who's another one that went public. So opportunity zones are becoming more and more common and, and heard of and family offices are, are starting to understand, you know, for legacy money. But in hindsight, I think I wouldn't emphasize the opportunity zone incentive. At the end of the day, it's a real estate play. It has to make sense on that basis. So now we also, another learning thing, I, I came up with a name, original name of our project called Blue Zone Resort. And we end up having to rebrand. There's an organization out there called Blue Zones. Have you heard of them by chance? Yeah, so I, I think I live in a blue zone where it's like healthy living, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. there's only seven locations in the U.S., and I had no idea they had plans to build a hotel. So they had a trademark, and they they appealed or, or protested against my trademark. So rather than fight them, we rebranded to Blue City Paraiso. And, you know, we were, were never really – we came up with the blue zone based on opportunity zones and this blue city in Morocco – thought it was, you know, the right name, but unknown there was, uh, well, here's another lesson I learned. We hired an internet trademark 
firm for like $399 to do the trademark search. And turns out we should spend a little bit more and get a trademark firm that digs a little deeper and could have turned up that, that there was some problems associated with the other name. But we have rebranded and everything's on go. We have no issue, no compliance issues, no no problems like that. We feel like we'll be fully permitted by September, shovel ready, and we're bringing a product to the market that doesn't exist. There's there's really no new inventory. There's some good locations, but for some reason or another, the operators don't choose to upgrade and, and beautify their properties. And I, I, I don't understand that at all. Well, we did, like- I like to add also, Gary, we had a feasibility study produced maybe six weeks ago by a third party that came in unbelievably favorable for our project and off the charts you know as a project fund manager and founder i'm real excited about the project but to have a third party come in and and perform the feasibility study and come back so favorably was was pretty exciting for us that's awesome out of curiosity what was the cost for that study and how long does it take it was seventy five hundred dollars and they, they put it out pretty quick. I want to say two and a half, three weeks. However, I had a USDA lender involved and still do. And they wanted it tweaked a little bit as far as some components. And the firm was willing and didn't charge me any extra to make those tweaks for the lender. So it's a good tool for the investors, you know, to rely on. It really covers the scope of our market and where we can uh, serve the market here and, and get and, and have the returns that we're projecting, which is 18.84%. Nice, nice. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on, talking about some of the basics of an opportunity zone, your project, and some of the lessons that you learned, very insightful. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and your company. Well, thanks again for having me on Break of Day Capital. Got a, a dynamic audience, and I'm happy to to share a few minutes with you, Gary. I have a website, Coastal Bend OZ Fund. Also, we have a offering documents on a platform called Syndication Pro. Uh, it's only for accredited investors, by the way. We're a 506C for accredited investors only, with a minimum of fifty thousand. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, John. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Investor Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and leave a review as it will help us reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.